0: Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News, joined as always by BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer, the Talking Tide podcast available to you at our web host at megaphone.com. Also get it on any podcasting app you prefer, including Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can catch us live and recorded at YouTube or at Facebook. So check us out in those locales as well. want to thank our sponsors very quickly. Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, of course. Also North River Dental Associates and finally DraftKings, our corporate sponsor. Thanks to them. A little bit more on them a little later in the program. Travis, we start out uh, taking a look at this disappointing road loss for Alabama overtime on the road. 80 to 77, the final score against LSU. That closes out the regular season for the Crimson Tide. They finished 9 and 9 in league play. Definitely a disappointing league record given what they had accomplished in non conference play. And they enter the SEC tournament sitting with the number
1: six seed. Yeah. And they say, what? Your record, you are who your record says you are. And 9 and 9. That pretty much says it, I think, in the league play. You saw flashes, really. Saturday's loss was kind of a summation of everything we saw from late December through Saturday. Flashes, right? Flashes of some decent three-point shooting. uh, Flashes of some connectivity. Uh, Not enough flashes, maybe, of defensive prowess, although it had to be better than it was against Texas A&M midweek. And it was. You heard Nate talk about that postgame Saturday. But the one constant, just not valuing the basketball enough. Not valuing every possession enough. And also, in-game, scenarios uh, you know sometimes you got to put your foot on the baseline and at least attempt to take a charge you just can't open up the baseline for drives and uh, defensive issues at times but yeah, I thought it was just kind of a kind of a a, a highlight and a low light reel of what we've seen from this team throughout conference play.
0: Yeah no doubt and they of course they've played twice since we last podcasted had an extremely disappointing loss to Texas A&M at home. They lost that game by, what was it, 19 points, I want to say. Uh, just a disaster of, a, of an outing uh, to close things out at Coleman Coliseum. Uh, gave up 50 points defensively in the second half of that Texas A&M game and, and frankly just got blown out. Nate Oates, highly critical uh, of, his, of his team. Uh, following that game. Then they come back against LSU with an opportunity to lock up the number five seed uh, in the conference tournament. Didn't do it. Had an opportunity to go, t- you know, win their 10th conference game, win their 20th overall game. Kind of be over the hump uh, 500 wise in the league. Against LSU, could not get that done. Key on LS19, Javon Quinterly, uh, scored 16 for Alabama. But, you know, 21 turnovers, as you mentioned, not valuing possessions, certainly a huge factor in the game. Three-point shooting, Alabama was 11 out of 40, which, once again, it not going to cut it if if you're going to live and die by the three, which they essentially do. And uh, free-throw shooting, nothing wrong with that, 20 out of 22. They've, they've been pretty darn consistent mm-hmm. at the free-throw line, Travis, but uh, not from deep, which is where they've got to be better.
1: Yeah, what field goal kicking has been for Alabama throughout the years, that's kind of what free throw shooting seemingly has been throughout the years. Not so much this year, but you just can't continuously survive these 20, 20-plus 20 turnover outings. And the thing that bothers you is that, okay, LSU came into the game Saturday leading the SEC among the top five teams in uh, Division One college basketball and steals right? Around 11 steals per game. And LSU had 16 steals in the game Saturday. But how many of those really were steals, Chase? I mean, there's takeaways and then there's giveaways, okay? You take away the basketball, that's one thing. But there's times where Alabama, because it's attention to detail, simple things like no one's really pressuring you and the ball just goes off a foot or a hand or uh, you know something like that or you know on the catch trying to one hand everything all the time I know I sound like Norman Dale at this point that's not what I'm trying to do I understand you're trying to play with pace Uh, you're trying to play uh, at a tempo and you're trying to get shots up as quickly as you possibly can but yeah that's what it goes back to for me is just value just where's the value in every possession where's the value in getting defensive stops from time to time. And so wasteful, I think, is one way to describe this team in some ways. Uh, And you say all that and you still understand as dangerous as they are to themselves a lot of times, they can still be very dangerous in this postseason coming up. And that's the silver lining in all this. There is a postseason beyond the SEC tournament, and it's not the NIT. Right, right. Couple
0: things that I noticed, Travis, that are kind of along those lines. One, sometimes, yeah, it, it was a, a a bounce off a foot, off a hand, like you said, a lazy pass here and there. But beyond that, sometimes it's not a lazy pass. Sometimes the problem is too much laziness trying to get open, right? And you saw that on several inbounds plays. I thought Alabama had a lot of trouble inbounding the ball. Uh, there was a sequence in the first half where JD Davison was inbounding a ball, and no one wanted to get open. It, it gets deflected out of bounds. He gets another shot at it. It, it. Same thing. No one wants to get open. And what they're doing too much of to me is instead of actually breaking away from a defender with some hustle, they want to put a hand and I'm and I'm 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 hand gesturing for our YouTube viewers. So I guess I better explain myself for the. For the audio listeners, but too many of these guys on the hand on the inbounds pass, Travis. They want to hand. They want to stick one hand on the defender and then stretch the opposite hand out and say, "Here's your target," it's, instead of just hustling away from your defender, right? And and, that and I'll tell you
1: something back. else. Once you're scouted too, right? Um. Uh, you know, things like if you don't cut, if you don't step to all passes, if you don't go meet passes, but then you're also not a team that makes teams pay with, with cuts to the bucket mm-hmm. off the ball, um, now you get everything jumped in the passing lanes. And so just some things like that. Step to passes, and if yeah. you're getting that type of – um know getting that type of heat defensively you got to be able to cut off the ball as well and uh everything's on the ball for this team uh, they're the they on the them. ball everything and that and and you understand that's that's a big part of the way nato's teams are going to play basketball And when it's when it's good it's great um but when it's not it's it's this sort of you know inconsistency and outright mess a lot of times
0: they they had to burn another timeout late in the game with Keon Ellis on an inbounds pass when he couldn't find anybody open. So that those things stuck out to me. And of course, obviously, and I wrote about this for the Tuscaloosa news after the game, you got James Rojas, who's, who's a favorite of Nate Oates for sure. He's a hustle guy. He's the one guy on the team that'll take a charge.
1: One, Uh, the one, the
0: one. Well, he's, he's on the floor for the last three minutes of regulation and all of overtime, and he's a 15, 14-minute-a-game player for you, right? Yeah. So I asked Oates about it after the game, and he, he he said, look, he's the guy who talks us through stops. Well, if you only, if you only got one guy talking your defense through stops and he's yeah. only playing 14 minutes a game on average, then, yeah, I guess you got to have him on the floor in crunch time. But what about... who's talking you through stops for 26 minutes a game?
1: Yeah, and and that's something I've talked about. I even tweeted about it, I think, during the game Saturday. Some teams are just too cool to communicate. And and maybe that's not it. Maybe it's just personality. You know, you you don't have those type of personalities. But, man, um, it's tough when you don't uh, on the defensive end. If you're not talking – Uh, you're going to give up a lot of easy buckets uh, and a lot of breakdowns and missed coverages. And you didn't see it as much last year. Certainly, Herb Jones had a lot to do with that. But, you know, that was a team that in terms of accountability in areas like that, um, there was a price to pay. If you didn't participate in that type of interaction, Uh, you get the sense just watching Alabama play, uh, there isn't a lot of communication. There's not a lot of talking there. There's, you know, if, if James Rojas, your only guy that's kind of talking you through it as as you pointed out um, as a 14, 15 minute per game guy, that's a lot of minutes still out there that you got to try to fill.
0: They need a guard to step up. They need a guard to, and in a leadership role, not, not a points and assists role. They can all score. Uh, they, they, they can pass. I mean, it's, it's, A lot of gifted players on the roster. There's not a rally guy, at least among the guards, uh, who who I think, you know, necessarily elevates everybody else. And it's a little late in the year to find that kind of guy. We'll see if they can uh, maybe find a little bit more leadership in the SEC tournament. But, yeah, that's that's what it's looking like uh, as they enter SEC play. Uh, and you know, I like Oates's honesty, uh, for sure. He's 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 not afraid to he doesn't run it. from it. No, no, he he calls it like he sees it. He was absolutely exasperated after that Texas A&M loss, and uh, you know, he's he's been uh his, and of course, I'm I've seen some some NATO's press conferences before, although now in the last couple of weeks, uh, since i joined the T News, I'm a little closer to it, and it's uh. It's definitely refreshing. I met him in the hallway after they beat South Carolina for the first time, Travis, uh, down in the, in the Coleman Tunnel, and he says uh, he says, "Where are you coming from?" And I, I up the street. I, I, I you know what I told him? <laughs> I I said, Coach, I'm coming from NFL.com, but fear not, I know my hoops. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. At any rate, that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles this team going down the stretch. He's obviously frustrated losing the last couple games the way he did, uh, especially A&M. He felt like the defense was a little better against LSU. Uh, certainly it was terrible against the Aggies. Yeah, the
1: A&M effort in the second half, that looked like a team playing with house money and do it. Like, yeah. You know, we're not going to win the SEC. Um, we're out of that race. You know, we're a 5-6 seed in the tournament, uh, the SEC tournament, and we're a shoe-in for an at-large bid. That's what yeah. that effort looked like in the second half. Disinterested, I guess, one way to put it.
0: Looks like uh, the Commodores are the dogs uh, as Alabama's first SEC tournament opponent. Uh, Travis, how do you see that? Uh, Vandy Georgia matchup shaping
1: up. Well, if it's Vanderbilt, Scotty Pippen will shoot 3,428 <laughs> free throws, you know. <laughs> yeah. So just go ahead and get ready for that. Um, you know, you would think Vandy would be the tougher matchup with the way the Commodores improved throughout the season, uh, and given just the ineptitude of this Georgia team, but. There is that W over Alabama that we can go back to. Thankfully, the SEC tournament is not being contested at Stegeman Coliseum and instead yeah. will be down in Tampa. So, you know, that's uh, a silver lining for Alabama. I would think it's going to be um, Vanderbilt that Alabama sees uh, in that second-round matchup. That's going to be a late one, too, on that Thursday night. But, again – who knows chase yeah who knows what to think about this Alabama team I mean I can see Alabama coming out playing well and you know winning that game rather comfortably whether it's Georgia or Vanderbilt I can see Alabama going home uh after Thursday night too well
0: in the postseason obviously it's one and done you got to string together wins you got to be consistent and that's the last that that's what right. Alabama's not done at all here of late so uh,
1: here here's what I think. I think I think the second round game before maybe even a final might be Alabama's toughest game down in Tampa, because if they can come out and play well on Thursday night, see the ball go through the hoop, take care of the basketball reasonably well, and their psyche is in a good place, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know they've got Kentucky on that side and. You know that seems to be a an annual rite of passage for Alabama in the SEC tournament, but right. um, I, I I to be honest with you, the, the most uncertainty, the most discomfort I would have for Alabama going down to Tampa will be Vandy or or Georgia, especially if it's Vandy, because I think Vandy is a little more well rounded, uh, both on the perimeter and in the paint, and um, so I would think that that could be a tougher matchup than Georgia, but. From there, who really knows? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult to imagine Alabama putting together two good games back-to-back, much less three, uh, in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. We shall see uh, how that how that finishes out. The Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are going to uh, thank a couple sponsors here, as we always do. Uh, very quickly, we're going to start tell you all about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, the great job he does with his professional staff of dental hygienists right off of Watermelon Road at 1100 Fairfax Park on a routine cleaning. They'll get you in and out of there door to door in less than an hour. You got to get the family in there twice a year like you're supposed to for that, but they can do all kinds of dental work, the cosmetic dentistry, porcelain, veneers, endodontics, they do it all over there. They got the teeth whitening services uh, for the facial features. They got the Botox and Juvederm treatments going on as well. Give them a call, North River Dental Associates 752 3506, or visit them online
1: at northriverdentists.com. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We told you it is on to Easter at Peterbrook Chocolatier, but it's also not too early to go ahead and start making those summer camp plans for the kiddos. In fact, you can do parties of really any age, gatherings of any age. You know, your mom, dad, grandparent, you want to have your own dipping party at Peterbrook Chocolatier? You can get that lined up at 205 752 0211, but the transition is taking place from Valentine's to Easter. And whether it's the traditional favorites like the chocolate bunnies, or maybe you're a peeps fan, not me personally, but a lot of people love peeps. So knock yourself out. They got you covered with those at Peterbrook Chocolatier. No Easter basket is complete without Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North.
0: Loved them peeps when I was a kid. Cause when I was a little kid, there was no such thing as something too sweet. Right. And now as you, as you get older, there is such a thing as something too <laughs> sweet. That's it for me. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you on the peeps. Yeah. That Peterbrook chocolate though, is not too sweet. It is just right. Just there. right. And, uh, I cannot, uh, I cannot deny it's the best chocolate in Tuscaloosa. Finally going to tell you all about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings Hoops fans. It's the official sports betting partner of the NBA, that DraftKings Sportsbook. The deal cannot be beat this week. New customers can bet just $1 on any team in the NBA. Get $150 in free bets if that team wins. It is just that simple. DraftKings also giving all new customers a free shot at millions in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team, get $150 in free bets if they win. That's with promo code TPPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Travis, of course, uh, just a few more minutes remaining uh, in this edition of Talking Tide. Figured we would turn our attention to the NFL combine and the Alabama performances there. And uh, as it turned out, not a lot of activity, not only from Alabama players, uh, but from uh, the, the entire contingent of prospects that went to the combine this year, I think more than ever, uh, they passed on a lot of these drills, deferring to pro day, et cetera. We can get into that uh, for a minute. But first, a quick look at the Alabama players who did participate in the 40-yard dash, mostly outstanding times. Uh, only four of them actually uh, ran a 40. Jalen Armour Davis, the best of them. At 4-3-9, super time for him for sure. Christian Harris runs a 4-4-4. Excellent time uh, for the 225-230 bound inside linebacker. Brian Robinson, Travis, 4-5-3. We know, we've talked about him uh, being a power guy and not a breakaway guy. Well, at his size, a 4-5-3, the scouts are certainly going to like that. Uh, so he did just fine. And finally, Slade Bolden went ahead and ran. He ran a 4.66, 6, which was just barely the worst time among the wide receivers who ran the 40 at the combine. I, I think uh, 4.65 was was just above him. Uh, but other than those four, Travis, uh, nobody ran the 40. Uh, Finari and Mathis participated in a few drills, uh, although he did not run uh, and the rest of them took a pass for various reasons, right? Jameson Williams, John Mechie, obviously not right physically. Uh, Evan Neal, he, he looks like a, a, a Greek god at 337 pounds. So looks like a tight end, for goodness sakes. But he's going to wait till pro day as well.
1: Yeah, I think some of the guys, too, that didn't take part in the three-cone and the shuttle stuff were – wise and not doing so because apparently times in those areas were, were not good. And I guess this was the first year maybe that they tacked those on to the 40 in the same day. Uh,
0: The bench press was the stickler there. And you're right now that the agility drills, the participation in those was absolutely way down. And it was because of that. Here's what happened. The wide receivers go on the first day. Right. When, the wide, when the wide receivers went on the three-cone and the 20-yard shuttle and the times weren't nearly as good as people thought, well, that killed it for the rest of the week because the very next day it was a running back's turn. Nope. Not, not one running and back. And good for Brian Robinson go.
1: because we can talk about Brian Robinson's 40, but his three-cone and his shuttle stuff might be more important for him mm-hmm. in terms of how he's already being perceived as a runner kind of a one cut straight up and down. So the four five three is great, but I'm thinking maybe, Chase, that the, the shuttle and, and three cone stuff might be more important for him.
0: They'll be paying attention to that for sure at, at his pro day uh, and a lot of them. But you're right. He, is, he does have that reputation as a, as a one cut power guy. Uh, he did run an excellent time. He'll be doing the rest of the, can he drills. make
1: the first guy miss enough? I guess, right, you know, right.
0: and the three cone, especially, I think, and then, uh, you know, the three cone, it, 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 it's indicative for a lot of positions. It's brutal. Than others. The
1: three cones, brutal, man. Just watching guys at workouts go through that.
0: Yep. Ugh. Yep. It's, it, it's, it's not a lot of fun. That's no. for sure. But participation was way down on that. The other thing with the bench press is that until this year, the bench press has always been held the day before you go through all the other physical testing. And this year, the combine decided they're going to throw the bench press in on the same day with all of it. The agent said, if you think I'm going to have my guy max out on the bench and then run the 40 of his life a couple hours later, you're out of your mind. And so only... a a lot of guys didn't bench and ran a lot of guys benched but didn't run Mm -hmm. uh and and so all so now all the more gets deferred to pro days there were only 33 guys at the whole con well not counting dbs here on sunday but going into sunday they only had a little over 30 guys do both the bench and the 40 and guess who most of them were offensive linemen Right. right because if you're an offensive lineman well, you can bench and run the forty in the same day because if you don't run a great forty, who cares? Right. Um, but that's, uh, that's that's yeah.
1: You know, and and just like you said at the outset, participation in general, and you've been around this for so long now, um, it, it leads you to wonder at what point does it at all, or to at least to some extent, hurt the television show that this right. event has become. Do we get to a point where the NFL considers um, paying guys, you know, to, to work out at this event? Because are, do we just, or are we just going to tune in anyway? Does NFL look at it? Like as long as they show up and they have a presence here of some kind, they do the media stuff. And even if they just do it, the Evan Neal way, uh, right. and the way we saw some other guys do it, is that enough to, to still keep the interest where it's been here in the last decade or so.
0: It's 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 an interesting question I think and by the way guess the NFL for the first time this year also moved the broadcast to primetime,
1: right? right. For, it's for a for big each, time television for, show, for, man. Right.
0: It, it's always and so this was probably not a great year for the NFL to have this dip in participation uh given that they're just now putting it on in primetime. But the 40 is the glamour event. The 40 is what a lot of people tune in for. And so if everything else falls apart, at the very least, I think you'll see the NFL do whatever it can to, to make sure that as many guys as possible are, are running the 40. I would not surprise me at all if next year you see the bench press go right back to the day before again. Right. Uh, you know, so so they get Participation. A more, right. Yeah yeah, but then the other another factor, Travis, is the NFL clubs are phasing the forty out of their evaluations because they're going with the GPS numbers now more than ever,
1: play speed, and, things and, and, like that.
0: Yeah, and it varies team to team, right? Some of them uh, value the forty more than others still. But ten years from now, they're all they're all going to be on that GPS stuff, I yeah. think primarily, and and they like it because because it it tracks a guy with pads on on the field.
1: It's relevant, yeah. To yeah, it translates to the field more than a so, track event, essentially.
0: Yeah. So anyway, times changing for sure. Yeah, I mean,
1: you even wonder about the All Star Games if at some point you know if participation becomes an issue. Um, do they have to consider compensation or, you know, ways to make it more attractive to get mm-hmm. guys to participate, you know? Senior
0: bowls on the upswing. Lately, the senior bowl has been getting a lot, you know, the, the participation there has certainly been very strong. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you, you're right. I, I, to whatever extent there's money to be made on the draft process itself, it's an so, industry,
1: big time. Yeah. Some
0: some 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 changes and some adjustments are going to have to be made. I think because these players are uh, more and more they they'd rather they'd rather do it on their pro day, and I don't blame them because no. if you're training for if you're training for six weeks for to run a forty and do the vertical and these shuttle drills, the three cone, whatever else whatever else is on the is on the the platter. Well, when you get to the combine for the first three days, you're there, they break all your routines. They put you through the personal interviews. You have to spend a whole day at the hospital. It's, 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 it's a little more difficult to, to, you know, maintain the diet, the training and everything else. And so these trainers that are paid good money to train these guys for six weeks, when they get to the combine, those routines get blown up for three days.
1: Yeah, and that's, and that's big.
0: And that's why times are better. People like to say that, that the reason pro day times tend to be better than combine times is because of some kind of home field advantage. That's bull crap. The reason they're better at pro day is because for pro day, these guys can optimize and fine tune right up until the day before. Right. Whereas at the combine, the, the, the last day they have to do whatever they want to prepare is actually three days before they or four days before they run as opposed to the, you know, day before.
1: And I absolutely, Uh, you know, and it used to be more along the lines of first round types that would defer to their pro day or private workouts. But I think you're seeing more and more guys in general, regardless of projection, they're saying, no, I'll just see it pro day.
0: Pro days pro days are gonna be the show. Yep. They're absolutely gonna be the show. And, and look course-
1: for 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 networks like the SEC network, it's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, because that's what they do with How- the pro days around the SEC. For the NFL, NFL, you know, uh network, it's they'll still be there. You know, I get that, but man, the SEC network will post up like it's game day. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. How long,
0: Travis, before we see ESPN, NFL Network, SEC Network, what have you, leaning on schools to put Pro Day on in primetime?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that's and, gotta be coming. right. The stadium.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, man. And, yeah. Hey, and look, from a recruiting perspective, if you're the school, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanna put it in primetime, where all of our targets can definitely see it probably doesn't hurt the feelings of Nick Saban and some other guys. I would think
0: that could be coming. We shall see yeah. that it's going to do it for this edition of the talking tide podcast, had a whole lot of fun. Be sure to, Join Travis and I next weekend when we reconvene. We'll be talking about Alabama's uh, outcome in the SEC tournament and plenty more next weekend right here on Talking Tide for Travis Ryder, ObamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodred of the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you then.